morning, church. We're reading from Philippians chapter 1, from verse 12 to 24. Starting from verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The later do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish, selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Thanks, Steve and uh, and Simon for leading us before. Well, I began uh, last week with a quote from one of the greatest movies of all time, at least critically speaking, uh, The Shawshank Redemption. And I begin this morning with a quote from one of the greatest singers of all time. And this is an objective truth, I'm sure you'll agree. I wouldn't be surprised if this song comes like third on your current favourites list, only second to maybe Christ Alone and you know, the Australian National Anthem. Goes like this, until I'm six feet under, baby, I don't need a bed. Gonna live while I'm alive, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Till they roll me over and lay my bones to rest. Gonna live while I'm alive and sleep while I'm dead. I apologize. For the many years I've been here, I've always just been on the border of bursting into song. And uh, this time I thought, caution to the wind. But please don't be shocked or horrified uh, when I say this, but Bon Jovi got it wrong. Bon Jovi got it wrong. And I could, uh, like last week, a slight improvement, 
to the quote. I can improve this one with just two small changes. Going to die while I'm alive and live when I'm dead. Hopefully that, by the way, gets stuck into your head on an endless cycle for the rest of your short lives here on earth. But this is exactly what we are dwelling on for these last two weeks. Living is dying and dying is living. We die to self while we're alive and we live forever when we die. And so last week was all about life as death, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. The ongoing call to lose our lives so that we might truly gain life. And this week, Paul, he affirms that call when he says in the first part of verse 21, to live is Christ. Just a few words, to live is Christ. Life is defined by Christ. Its purpose is defined by Christ. As he says to the Colossians, Christ is all and is in all. He is everything. And the mission of Christ is defined by death. That is his mission. It is life through death. Last week we read from Colossians uh, chapter 2, where Paul says, since you died with Christ. And there's actually a number of, of places that we find this truth, especially in Paul's letters. But 1 Peter chapter 4, for example, Peter says, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Or in Philippians, two chapters later, chapter 3, He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And of course, one of my favorites, Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. I am dead, he's saying. But Christ lives in me. And this life I now live here in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so again, Jesus is our identity and he is our purpose. And that's everything. Whatever our identity was before Jesus is no longer what defines us. If it was something sinful, well, that is being put to death. If it was something, you know, that's good in this world or good in this life, well, that is now just a feature of our lives. It is not the core of who we are. Our race, our gender, our character, yes, these are things that God gave us in creation. But being in Christ is bigger than all of it. So much bigger. Your interests, your skills, your politics, all these other things, they are, they are part of your personality, but they are so much less than your faith. So much less than the gospel in your life. 
Jesus is our life. Jesus is our center. And we are becoming like him. We're becoming like him. The more his life flows through us, the more we look like him. It is transformation. It is sanctification. And so this points us also to Jesus being our purpose. His mission also defines us. Paul, in that passage we read, he talks about having ongoing fruitful labor as long as he's alive. Which means he's seeing others come to faith and he is seeing others grow in faith. And that defines him. Seeing others saved by Jesus, that is his purpose. Seeing others gain the hope of life beyond death is why he's alive. It makes living worthwhile. And it's not just his own salvation. It's not just his own contentment in Christ. Because if it was just that, there'd be no need for him to stay on earth, would there? No need to remain in this life. No, his life is worth living for the salvation of others. For the growth of the kingdom. That is why we are here. As a church, that is why we are still here. My prayer for Willow going forward is that you are defined by Jesus more and more. That he remains absolutely central to everything you do. Whatever team, whatever group, whatever event, whatever ministry, that Jesus Christ is at the center. And that he's not just central in here, in this building, but he's central in here, in in our hearts. That he remains central every day and in every part of your life. And when you do come together as a church community, as a family, whether it's on Sundays or in groups or in teams or even one-to-one catching up, that you will keep Jesus at the center of those relationships. That you will speak his good news into each other's lives and be built up by it. That you will disciple each other in his sufficiency. That you will never stop sharing him with each other. And my prayer is also that Willow keeps seeking the salvation of others. More and more, as long as you are Jesus' church. Make the mission of Christ, the call to make disciples, make that the reason that you're here, that you exist, that you're in this place. Your purpose. May the community that you enjoy, which is so, so good. It is so good. Make that community flow out to benefit the wider community. The many, many people who need it, who are struggling without it. To live is Christ. Don't live for anything else. Don't live for your career or your money or your reputation or even your family. Live for Christ.
It's only by living for him that you will be truly content. And it's only by living for him that death can be gain. That dying can turn into living. That you can live when you're dead. Paul says it plainly in the following verse. He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. There's no competition, he's saying. And again, the reason is Jesus. He's the one who defines our death. And also, he's the one who gives purpose to our death. It isn't a waste. It's the opposite. See, in Paul's mind, death is not as it is for other people. It's not the loss of life. It's not the absence of life. Death means being with Jesus. It's the source of life. For so many people in our world, death will be permanent separation from that source. It will be complete loss. But for those who trust in Jesus, it means eternity in light of that source, in the presence of that source. It is gain. More than any other definition of the word, it is gain. If this life, temporary, broken, weak, if this life is defined by Jesus, how much more the next life? We will be with Jesus in perfection. We'll be with him in the new creation in glory and we will be like Jesus completely the transformation process will be complete we will have resurrected bodies we'll have glorious bodies and we will be perfect in heart in mind in attitude and in actions what i love most about this reality is the redemption of relationships. And nearly all of us know what it's like to have imperfect relationships. And that's probably putting it mildly. Can you imagine perfect relationships? No more jealousy. No more awkwardness. No more embarrassment. No more self-esteem issues and inferiority complexes. No more arrogance and superiority complexes. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you're a people person or not, everything will be perfect. There'll be no more division. There'll be no more estrangement. There'll be no more isolation or loneliness. There'll be no more separation. As we prepare to leave you after 11 years of relationship and fellowship, this truth strengthens us. Yes, we will probably see you again in this life. We'll be back to visit, but it won't be the same. We've been part of the same family. Even more, we've been part of the same body. And yes, we continue to be part of the same body. But the departure is painful. It's not just an uninstallation today, it's, it's a dismemberment. 
And that hurts. But we have a hope of reunion that cannot be boasted without Christ. We have a a reuniting that will not only (coughs) heal the wounds of disconnection, but will make the connection a thousand times better, infinitely times better. In, in this life, the memories, they struggle, they struggle to stay fresh and the bonds, they fade. We know that. But it will be better than it ever was before in the gain of eternity. And I can't wait to see all of you there. And so our death reinforces our identity, but it also reinforces our purpose. One thing is for sure, Paul's dying was not just for selfish gain. He talks about it, but it wasn't just for that. His death also served the mission of Christ. His witness right up until his death, and including his death, was all about Jesus. And there are many, many, many other saints whose deaths have advanced the cause of the gospel right throughout the history of Christianity. There are countless stories where Christians who died, often as martyrs, often before the crowds, And yet they converted so many people because of that and because of the faith with which they faced their death and with which they went through death. I mean, how many funerals have you been to where the faith of the deceased has bolstered you, has strengthened you? I've seen many, and it is so encouraging. Maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe you even found salvation at a funeral. Christ himself. After all, it is the place where life and death meet most keenly, doesn't it? Where it clashes up against each other, and it overlaps, and it becomes blurry, and we don't know which is which. And there's this demand at funerals. What is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of death? So what do you want to be said at your funeral? What will the meaning be on that day? What kind of witness do you want it to be in regards to your life? And how do you want Jesus to feature on that day? Do you want him to feature as a side note? Do you want him to feature as a tradition because that's how you grew up? Do you want him to feature as a cliche? Or do you want him to feature as the center of your life? As your identity and your purpose? Because then the call is clear. Start living it now. Live the way that you want your eulogy to read. Live the way you want people to remember you. 
And as I've said before, it's not just about good deeds. It's not just, oh, so-and-so lived a good life. They were so nice to people. They did good things. They helped old ladies cross the road. That on its own is a witness to a false salvation by works. No, you want your life to be a life of good news. Of good news. As we've said, it is a life that revolves around Jesus and the gospel. Around his death and his life. We spoke last week about that day when you stand before God. And Jesus returns. After your death, you're standing there. And what is it you want to hear? You know, well done, good and faithful service, or depart from me, I never knew you. If God is there and on that day he recognizes every deed you've ever done, every word you've ever spoken, every thought and feeling that you have ever had, you don't just want it to be trying for for some kind of balance. Oh, I hope that the good balances out the bad. You want Jesus as your identity and as your purpose to cancel out the bad completely. You want him to give you his good, his righteousness, and you want him to present you as perfect before the Father. As perfect as the life that you're about to receive. This is what Paul's talking about when he says a chapter later, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Or as Peter says, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. That is, work towards your death. Let your death determine your life so that your life determines your death. Live for your death. Live for it. Don't be scared of it. Live for it. And yes, I'm deliberately using the words life and death repeatedly, excessively, interchangeably because it's so important to see how much they become one and the same thing. Die while you're alive and live when you're dead. As only a four-year-old can do, Evie told me the other day that she wants to die so that she can go and live with Jesus in heaven. And at first you're like, oh, hang on, don't say that. But then you're like, yeah, that's how it should be. That is how it was for Paul. He desired to depart and be with the Lord. And we don't think and feel that way enough, do we? We try not to think about it at all. We put it off. Even those of us who have eternal hope. We run from it. We pretend it's not there, but... Our lives should be lived in the embrace of death. And so it's my prayer, again, for Willow, that you will live for your death. Not like the world who lived in fear of death, but like Jesus who passes through death in order to give life. It is only when we live in hope instead of fear that we can continue to die in this life for the sake of others. 
just as Jesus did. And it's only when we live in hope instead of fear that we can share the good news of salvation and never mind the rejection, never mind the opposition. I pray for you and for myself that we can live every day as a matter of life and death. Our own life and death, yes, but also the life and the death of others. I pray that we can die to self to share the good news of salvation so that others can have life beyond death. And I pray that such a way of living will give us even more joy. Even though there'll be suffering, that it will give us even more joy, that it will keep Jesus even more central in our lives, that it will fill us completely. As we've often sung, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Then the things of earth will grow grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. May the thrill of heaven, the complete healing, the perfect relationships, the joyful reunions, the presence of Christ himself, may that be our vision, our hope, and our purpose together and apart until we're together forever. Let me close with these words from Colossians chapter 3. At the end of chapter 2, Paul says, Since you died with Christ. And then at the beginning of the next chapter, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the wonderful news of your death and resurrection. We thank you that you came to die, to show us the way of death, because it leads to life. Defeat gives way to triumph. And we thank you that you have achieved it all. There is no more we can add. No more that we can do. And we want to ask, Lord, that you will give us the strength through your Holy Spirit that you will help us to live in light of our death. 
that we will not be afraid of death, that we will not run from it, that we will not pretend it doesn't exist, that we will not pretend it has power over us still because the sting is gone. And there is only life in your name. And so we pray that you help us to live in hope, hope even of our death because our death is the passage to life. Lord, help us not to live for other things in this life, things that spoil and fade and pass away, but only to live what, for what is eternal. You, the kingdom, the gospel. Help us to die in this life for that gospel, for that kingdom, for you, so that we know what it truly means to live. And not just to survive, but to thrive. To find joy. To find purpose. To find ultimate meaning. And that which lasts for eternity. Lord, will you work that in us as individuals? Will you work that in us as a church? And will you work that in us as the wider body? All over the globe. And that, Lord, we can look forward to that day when, as multitudes, we'll be praising the name of Jesus together forever and living in a life that is defined by him. Amen.